0: You're listening to Attention, the audio journal for architecture. This is issue number five, the question of theory. This fourth piece addresses the question, is architectural theory Western or global? It features contributions by Joseph Godlewski, Jake Matatyao, John May, Ginger Nolan, Brian Norwood, Ivan Santoya Orozco, Meredith Tenhor, and Marika Trotter.
1: In continuing to address the question of theory, this piece asks Is architectural theory Western or can it be global? That is, is theory universal or is it geographically particular? Is theory inherently linked to Western notions of reason, philosophy, metaphysics, historical thought, and critique? What is the relationship of theory to other predominant modes of thought such as rhetoric, myth, symbolism? proverbs, and moral teachings? And what is the relationship of theory then to other cultures around the world, which we have understood as not adopting the same metaphysics, scientific inquiry, and modes of critique as in the West? We begin by unpacking this controversial question with Maraika Trotter, Yvonne Santoya Orozco, and Meredith Tenhor. In Meredith's view, Western might not be the opposite of global. And Yvonne suggests that using the label Western to start with as a uniform category might be misleading. Meredith suggests that different architectural theories around the world circulate and function differently according to their particular institutional context, and in the same way as the intellectual traditions of recent theory in the United States also need to be understood in its particular institutional context. Mariahka has no doubt that architectural theory is Western in its origin, and yet necessarily global in its future-oriented goals. She argues that architectural theory must necessarily open itself up to other non-Western modes of thinking. We begin with Marijke Trotter.
2: My understanding is that architectural theory is entirely a Western discourse. Now, that's how it has been because of geopolitical conditions that doesn't mean that's how it should stay. I think it needs to be radically challenged and infected in a positive way with other modes of thought, with other histories um, that have to be brought into the discourse and added to the discourse. I'm not particularly interested in people doing, say, East Asian architectural theory. I mean maybe there's a there there, but it's it would be a weird retrospective construct, that seems problematic to me because it seems pretty colonialist. As though somehow the solution would be to go into a culture that's done just fine without architectural theory in the way that I understand it and try to like invent a form of of theory that would work in that context.
1: Yvonne Santoya Orozco.
3: I tend to have a little bit of an issue with the term Western myself. because I felt like the excluding of so many things, right? I don't deny that architectural theory has been dominant by kind of very Eurocentric tendencies, but I, I, I still feel that it's so problematic to kind of catalog architectural theory as one label or another, because it's not only excluding, but it also presupposes that architectural theory can be understood as having some sense of universality. And and of course, architectural theory is not homogenous. It's not a unified corpus of knowledge, right?
1: Meredith Tenor.
0: I don't think global is the opposite of Western, but I do think that um, architectural theory exists in, in many different cultures and many different architectural traditions. And we can trace and should do more work on this, how they circulate within particular cultures and in between them the kinds of theories being produced around the world do different things in different times. I mean, you could also um, look at um, building standards that were created in China to be or what is now China to be architectural theory, and, and we read them as that in my classes, but you know, which are also sort of very early examples of theory, but they, establish economic value, and Vitruvius establishes formal value, and Popova helps us to understand symbolic value. So there are a lot of different things that theory has done, very old kinds of theory have done. When we're speaking more about the intellectual traditions around recent theory, I think we have to understand them in their institutional context, and here I sound like a big Foucauldian, but, but I mean, we, the, the sort of university context that I spoke of earlier, which helped to make the kinds of disciplinary exchanges that founded what architectural theory is in the United States, um, at least in its east and west coast manifestations, you know, that rely on very specific economic conditions and institutional conditions. And those conditions do not exist worldwide. Um, So we see theory being created
2: for different reasons in different contexts.
1: And Marika Trotter again.
2: Architectural theory, it did originate in Western thought, and it did originate in Western history and in Western traditions, using Western understandings of architecture, using Western pieces of architecture, we have those limits. But now, fortunately, (laughs) architectural theorists are able to go find other sources from outside that narrow geography. And we have to, we have to, because now architecture is something that's global. Now architecture is uh, something that desperately needs new insights and new possibilities its to all of our benefits. And we should totally rejoice about this, that now we live in a time where we have really pretty easy access to other modes of thought, other kinds of philosophies um, and other built traditions that we can now go and start exploring. Does that mean that there are analogous forms of discourse in other geographies that somehow simply have to be acknowledged? No, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think there are sort of ready-made architectural theory discourses that have originated in other places than, than the West. Not that I'm aware of, but there are tons of really useful lines of flight. I wouldn't call the kind of prescriptive, authorizing tradition in China, for instance, architectural theory. But it's clearly a rich discourse. I don't see why we shouldn't be able to expose students, let's say, and ourselves to its possibilities as productive and challenging and other than um, architectural theories as developed in the West. I think architectural theory has its own value. I would be reluctant to do some kind of flattening comparison between one kind of discourse developed in one place and another kind of discourse developed in another place. I'm not in any way suggesting that one is more valuable than the other the way that I understand architectural theory is that it is a Western discourse. There isn't a non-Western equivalent or even like 17
3: non-Western equivalents to it.
1: Yvonne Santoyo Orozco again.
3: I think it's interesting to think about questions of the global because I think architectural theory can address global questions. I think it has the capacity to look at global struggles, at global forces such as capitalism or geopolitical relations of power and begin to kind of try to see how these global forces begin to have specific localized effects or localized kind of underpinnings.
1: On a similar note, Joseph Godluski like Meredith, undoes the false opposition between Western and global by reminding us that globalization and the circulation of ideas have always affected theory. Brian Norwood also shares with Meredith the idea that theories belong to particular schools and intellectual contexts, and adds that understanding architectural theory as an ontological question of making place in the world may frame the field in more cross-cultural ways. Joseph Godlewski.
4: There's a case to be made that architectural theory as we know it, um, there's just so much more evidence of Western theory. The written record right, is just much more prevalent, whereas oral traditions or traditions that went, went away. But it's not to say that like architectural theory is unique to the Western mind. Um, in terms of the, the geography question, that also seems a, a reasonable assumption, I suppose. But, that, but I think it, it underestimates the ways that world history has actually worked, that, that globalization isn't this totally new phenomenon that things have kind of interpenetrated for a long time. There's always been movement and kind of overlaps and hybridities um, that, that have existed. I think that there's a pretty poor assumption that, that there's theories that, that are in the crucible of the West and then they kind of disseminate kind of throughout the world. Right. Um, But it it ultimately is about how those places, the crucibles or the centers, London, Paris, New York. Right. Those always depended on some sort of periphery to test out the, the ideas.
5: Brian Norwood. If this notion of architectural theory is linked to professional architecture schools that are attempting to produce practitioners that can replicate certain sort of institutional ways of thinking about architecture. And it seems that architectural theory is always gonna be relative to the intellectual context that those ideas arose in. But of course, if we try to move something more to something more generalized like dwelling, like how does one make place in the world? How do we make community in the world? Then that seems to me that opens up almost anything to being able to be included in architectural theory as long as we start asking certain questions that relate to what we mean by architecture in the first place. How does this make space? Uh, How did these sort of practices or these sort of beliefs uh, produce place in some way? Or how do they guide the production of form? Or how do they create urban space versus private space? These sorts of questions could be framed in in an enormously cross-cultural ways.
1: In the following and penultimate exchange, Ginger Nolan, Yvonne Santoyo Orozco, and Jake Matatiao talk about the issue of the Western canon. Whereas Ginger Nolan sees the two words theory and Western as incompatible, Yvonne suggests that the problem of the canon is not only who produces theory, but what specific texts of an author's oeuvre become dominant and why. Jake Matatiao accepts that a pluralized canon may have to be named differently and may not be an architectural theory canon after all. Ginger Nolan.
6: The question of the global and architectural history and theory is about the question of how much one must stay faithful to a certain canonical lineage of conversations and disputes. To me, that is a kind of understanding of theory that would hamper the wish to have a kind of non-European dominated architectural theory curriculum. So if that is what I am taking theory as, to me, it means that I am already kind of trying to bracket out in some sense, the theological or only engaging it in the way that one could sort of see its theologicalness, right? In that context, I was sort of surprised by this question of is there something West inherently Western about theory, because that seems quite shocking to me. It seems like oh, it's almost the opposite, right? It seems like the last place you're going to find theory is in the texts of white men. And I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like, because it is by the very fact of Having been excluded from certain um, academic or hermeneutic traditions, right, that a woman or a person of color, she cannot presume, right, by what what authority she has to speak, and in reference to what kind of bodies of literature that that one would refer to, right, these are not kind of assumed givens for her. So that these are the people who really, I think, produce theory in the sense that I'm seeing theory. That's not at the absolute exclusion of white men, of course, but. People who are not asked to kind of justify or consider their right to, to write, their right to speak, their right to theorize, are people who are the least likely to produce compelling questions, right? And the ways to think about those questions.
1: Yvonne Santoyo Orozco.
3: I think that the problem is not the texts in themselves. I think is the way we canonize certain arguments of those texts and we ignore others. And I think it's kind of interesting, while going through kind of several kind of pieces of architectural theory, especially from the 1968 and on, <laughs> uh, how there are, for example, certain certain texts from, you know, like the Luz that are being referred to as seminal, and others are totally ignored, right? Um, and I think an underlying question is who has the who has the right to be that dominant voice. And how do we begin to kind of like assign value to those voices? And it kind of like involves a lot of questions also of patriarchy, that the discourse has been involved, in, and a lot of kind of uh, fighting for certain hierarchies and privilege and structures of power that construct also um, internally the discourse. I draw also from French theory, and however, there are other voices that have to be heard. It is not only that, and I think that the, the category of the seminal, the dominant, the canonical has to be almost abandoned. So when you speak about all these different treatises and that belong to the architectural corpus, I think it's not the problem of those texts on themselves, it's how, do we label them as canonical or as seminal? So I think it's more a question of moving beyond those labels in order to allow the questions of the present to bring other ones that are perhaps more relevant. I think it's a question of mobilization somehow. is is whether you mobilize according to which questions and not what have you been told to move <laughs> because that text you should, you should know.
1: Jake Matatiao.
7: I don't know if i want to define is architecture theory western or global like that's i don't know if i don't know if i want to answer the question on those terms i think i think instead what i want to say is uh, the canon of projects that we think about are are kind of motivated by theoretical uh, chronology or a theoretical timeline i think it's always been more than Right, more than Western, but we might have not acknowledged it. Because I do think that like makers of cities or urban form or domestic environments, living conditions, homes, whatever, um, have thought about the work that they're doing. But I I wouldn't want to limit theory, architecture theory to like it's Western vernacular, and I wouldn't want to say that it that it couldn't be globalized, but would it go by the name of theory? Maybe not like maybe it'd have to be named something else to to become more inclusive because the word theory, when I think theory, right, it does come with a whole association of like enlightenment, Western, European, male, Eurocentric dominated kind of thinking, right? With all of its biases, prejudices, ontological presuppositions that come with that, and that's problematic. And so if we want to open... Up the conversation of architecture theory to non-Western modes of architecture, we would also have to open ourselves up to the question of like, do we do away with the word theory? And do we think about other things like myth, proverbs, moral teaching, storytelling, tradition, like the role of tradition and ways of making and uh, materials that are geographically specific to different regions of the planet, I think is really important. There's probably traditions that don't get seen or heard because of this kind of like more exclusionary terms theory. And I think I would be open to the idea of like getting rid of the word if we were able to pluralize our conversations and have more conversations about what it is that this thinking on what we're doing produces. But then theory might change. That's my point. Like if it is, if it is, if we do decide to make it global, we're also like saying like, we're no longer like the arbiters are in control, or like it's like if you open yourself up to the other, then it also means that you can change, and that I think is a good thing.
1: John May concludes this episode by urging contemporary theorists to not throw away the baby with the bathwater while cleansing the curriculum. That is, to preserve certain critical voices of modernity who have been and still are the most effective weapons against the hypocrisies of Western humanism. John May.
8: Has architectural theory up to this point been largely dominated by Western Enlightenment reasoning? Absolutely. Um, and ought we to continue to question that and explore it? Absolutely. I think the only footnote or caveat I would add to that is the danger that I sometimes see arising, especially in it very recently, is the notion that western enlightenment thought doesn't carry within itself in some cases the most effective dynamite or razor blades for undoing its own dominance and i would point in particular i mean we can pick many different figures for this but i would point in particular for example i mean if one is not at some point exposed to either Nietzsche or Marx or does not undertake a reading on some level of those two figures simply out of a desire to cleanse the the curriculum of individuals who may be associated with the Western canon, then one is sort of willfully refusing some of the most potent weapons against Western enlightenment. I mean, there is no sharper razor blade than Nietzschean thought for undoing the hypocrisies of Western humanism. And that's just, so I'm just picking one example um, that I think in this revaluation or reevaluation of the curriculum uh, against the background of, of globalism, which it necessarily must happen, and I think is happening, maybe not as fast as our students would like it to happen, but I see it happening. I see it in committee meetings. I see it in discussions about syllabi and curriculums and things like that. Um, I would just say that I would hope that we would do that cautiously enough to help preserve uh, certain kinds of critical voices within that canon that can provide students and architects and intellectuals with incredibly powerful tools for rethinking and critiquing the contemporary conditions of modernity under which all of the globe now exists. I mean, there is no part of the globe that is not in some way affected by the conditions of modernization that belong to the 18th, 19th and 20th century West. And so um, understanding those processes is far more crucial than tokenizing um, superficially or sort of purifying or cleansing syllabi or curricula um, and so what I think we need to be doing is really trying to take this on as a kind of generalized synthetic problem of how do we, what do we retain from the Western canon that can be useful in helping to understand what that canon itself has done and is continuing to do to to the world.
1: This discussion of whether theory is Western or whether it can be global produced the strongest divergences of opinion around the question of theory today. Some argued that while sources for what we might consider as theory in other cultural traditions are rarer, we can identify key examples, and we are working hard to refine our historical understanding of them. These include the 12th century Chinese building standards, the Yingxiao Fashe, and the 15th century documentation of the Mayan creation myth, the Popovar. Some argued that these texts can be seen as equivalent to the texts of Western architectural theory, because they establish values around architecture, be they economic, political, or symbolic. Furthermore, their equivalence can be aided by focusing upon more encompassing questions of how buildings mark one's place in the world, or how buildings are part of a larger culture of making. Others, however, argued that we should not be so quick to draw such an equivalence, because something about theory as we have understood it in the Western tradition might be unique and might contain the necessary seeds of critical thought to address our global modernity. Furthermore, if this effort of inclusion didn't fundamentally change the Western conception of theory, but only retroactively invented a Western-style architectural theory for other cultures, It would only risk repeating earlier colonial gestures. A key to thinking through this problem was keeping a keen eye on how such categorizations of knowledge are driven by institutional contexts. In this view, the very categorization of architectural theory has been predetermined by the way theory and practice have been linked in the university-based professional education system. It might be this very institutional context that actively excludes other geographies and traditions because they have not addressed the specifics of validation that are central to this context, and because, indeed, they might actually challenge this very context by their inclusion. For some, the most vibrant directions of theory as a critical mode of thought are more likely to come from those voices formally excluded from the Western canon, precisely because of the reflexivity their exclusion can be said to have engendered. In this light, abandoning the existing canon and existing definitions of theory will actually catalyze and rejuvenate theoretical work. Yet for others, these critical developments have also been engendered precisely by the critical tools that are central to the Western theoretical canon since the Enlightenment, such as the philosophy of Karl Marx or Friedrich Nietzsche.
0: You've been listening to Attention, the audio journal for architecture. Issue 5, The Question of Theory. Issue 5 was written and directed by Joseph Bedford and was edited and produced by Ari Coradi. Thanks to the Graham Foundation for generous support.